What's it like to be a nurse working on the COVID floor during the first year of the pandemic? Stick around and we'll talk about that and a whole lot more with our special guest on this episode of Here at Home. Welcome to the Here at Home podcast, a podcast about the people here at McGregor, their stories, their ministry, and their love for Jesus. My name is Mark Bricker, and I'm your host for the Here at Home podcast. And joining me on today's episode are Titus and Marissa Hines. So glad to have both of you on the podcast. Thank you for having us. Happy to be here. Are you really? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, they were clear to remind me that, uh, that they did not ask to be on the podcast. And I told them, very rarely does anybody ask to be on my podcast. <laughs> Usually I'm the one doing all the asking, but you guys graciously agreed to come on, even though you both said this is just not your comfort zone. So I want to say that right up front, that I appreciate you being willing to get out of your comfort zone a little bit and to share just a little bit about your story. So thank you, thank you in advance for uh, for what you're you're doing and going to do. Now I've known both of you for quite a while and know you pretty good, but I have a feeling folks that are listening at home uh, might not know Titus and Marissa, or there there'll be some that know you. I'm sure you'll uh, want your uh, your parents and all the siblings to listen, but there'll be some others that uh, that don't know you so well. So let's get to know Titus and Marissa. So Titus, let's start with you. Tell us a little bit about where you grew up and a little bit about your family growing up. Okay. Um, well, I come from a large family. Um, I'm one of seven boys. Oh. <laughs> right in the middle. So wow. I have three older, three younger brothers. And I grew up in uh, Saginaw, Michigan. Up where it's cold. Yeah. How long have you been in Florida? Uh, I'd say it's about uh, ten years now. About ten yeah, years. Two thousand twelve. Yeah, and I've I've had the the privilege of meeting a lot of your uh, your family, uh, but that is that is pretty cool. Seven boys, and I always when I see your mom, I just say, "Bless her heart." She <laughs> <laughs> seven boys. She's wonderful. Uh, what about you, Marissa? Where where were you born and raised? I was born and raised here, uh, Cape Coral. Pretty much grew up in this church. Yeah. Uh, one brother, and yeah, I've never moved. Moved one city away. One city away. <laughs> and you went to school here too, right? I did. Yeah. So this is so getting married to Titus and heading to Michigan, that was like a big trip, huh? <laughs> big trip. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, tell me a little bit about uh, your relationship with the Lord when you came to know Christ. I'll start with you this time, Marissa. Yeah, uh, I came to know Christ when I was four, really young age. Um, I mean, I think I was on my way home from Awana's, and obviously I was really, really young, but like throughout elementary, middle, high school, it's kind of a day-to-day -day decision to follow the Lord. And, you know, in the different stages, you grow in different ways. Mm. but. Yeah. That was when it began when I was four. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I've, I've noticed you've always been kind of a, a high achiever. Uh, you were, you know, out of high school pretty early. And uh, how old were you when you graduated from college? Uh, well, when I was 17, I did two years of college in high school. So right. when I was 17, I graduated uh, with like my AA degree. Mm -hmm. And then I was 19 when I graduated from oh. nursing school. Nursing school. Yeah. yeah. 
Wow. So most kids are trying to figure out what they're going to do with their life. And you're like, all right, I'm done with college. Let's start the career now. Yeah. It was a blessing to be able to do. Yeah, that is. Always been mature for your age. That's the word I was looking for. <laughs> Titus, you not so much. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> tell us how you came to know Christ. Well, um, at, a, at an early age, I, I was blessed to have godly parents that, that mm-hmm. taught me the truth of Scripture. Yeah. And uh, I was convicted of my sin at around six. Mm. Uh, I also went to Awana um, and learned Bible verses. And, um, but my mom led me to Christ when I was six. Mm. And I was convicted of my sin and my need for, for Jesus. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I was seven and realized also uh, of my sin nature and my need for a savior. And yes, I can remember that moment like it was yesterday. Um, who were some spiritual influences in your life? And it can even be people that you know personally, or maybe even authors you've read. Uh, any any people? There's two parents. Of me to count. <laughs> I know both of you have wonderful, wonderful mom and dad. I'm sure yeah. that's... My parents were probably the biggest and continue to be the biggest. Yeah. Um, I'm a big reader, so there's a lot of a lot of authors too. All right, well, we'll move on. <laughs> <laughs> so you guys have been married how long? So just over three years. Just over three years. Uh, yeah. Okay, by the way, and I think I, we were talking about this just a minute ago before we started recording, you're the first married couple I've had on as guest T- together. I mean, I've had people that have been married and I've had people that have been two, two guests, but they weren't married. So y'all are the first time I've had two people, two guests, and they're married. So that's kind of cool, right? It's kind of cool. We're honored. It took 30 plus episodes to, to do that, but so um, it's awesome to have you guys on here. And so been married for about three years. How did you meet? How did, uh, how did all this come together? Well, you played a small part of that, actually. Aww. I'll get into it. But um, <laughs> We technically met at work, um, and uh, I saw her in a picture um, going on your medical trip and realized who she was and that I worked with her, and that gave me the, the inclination to go talk with her. Uh-huh. And uh, so that's how we met at work. Yeah. And it wasn't too much longer after that that uh, you were both together on our medical mission trip to Guatemala and it seemed to really blossom on that trip. Is that, is that kind of the way it all came together? Yeah, that'd be accurate. Yeah. yeah. We see you guys sitting down on the dock mm-hmm. early in the morning, in the evening, yeah. you know, just talking. Yeah. Anytime so, we could, we'd get together and talk. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that was cool. And yeah, full disclosure, I also had the, the honor and privilege of being the person to officiate your wedding as well. Yeah. So that was, that was really cool. All right, so you both are nurses. Uh, why nursing, Marissa? Why did you pick that as a vocation? Well, honestly, I was only 17. So in my mind, I was thinking that I wanted to be a missionary at mm-hmm. the time. So I was thinking either I'd be a teacher or I would be a nurse. And I had done a lot of volunteering as like an assistant teacher and kind of just decided I didn't want to do that forever, but that in nursing I'd be able to do education while caring for people Mm. and potentially take it overseas if the Lord called me to that. So I originally went into it Thinking that, that, yeah, that you're the possibility of uh, missions and this would be a great tool to have and great preparation. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. 
What about you, Titus? Why nursing? Well, my answer to that is uh, multifactorial. Um, <laughs> it wasn't my first career. Um, I was probably your age now uh, when I decided to go into nursing. It's probably 25, 26. Mm -hmm. And uh, so when you look at nursing, there's always been a need, a huge need for nursing. Yeah. Um, uh, so that was part of it. The need was great um, and the opportunity was great to pretty much go anywhere. Um, uh, apart from that, I think it's competitive pay and and it gave me a ministry opportunity. Mm. So it was all four of those factors that I said, okay, yeah, that's definitely something to look into and, and some uh, encouragement for my parents. Yeah. Because your dad has a little medical background. That's right. and, so and my mom's a nurse. My mom's a nurse. And got some siblings. But I didn't grow up thinking, oh, can't wait to be a nurse. And one day I'm going to be a nurse. No, it didn't happen that way. But that's neat how that, that, all, that all came together mm -hmm. for you and, and wanting to do it. Um, so you're both are nurses and relatively uh, newlyweds and haven't been, I mean, you've been practicing nursing for a while, but not like for like years and years. And 2020 hits, March specifically, and we have this thing called COVID-19, and all of a sudden we find our country, our world in a pandemic, and the medical world gets turned upside down. And right. I might be sounding like I'm overstating it, but I don't think I am much. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, everything we thought we knew about things, all of a sudden everything seemed to be changing and constantly changing. So here you guys are. Uh, and, it, and I believe that this is correct, that y'all were on the same schedule, on the same shift yep. and the same yep. floor, right? That's right. Which is kind of neat yeah. to be married and mm. have that, that same schedule because now you're, you're able to, to have your off days off and right. your work days work. But COVID-19 hits and it's, it's quite different at that time. Um, and I know that one of the first things I remember talking with you guys early on about about that is you said, "Yeah, we are, we're 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 still working together, but we're the floor that we're on is now called the COVID floor." Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I thought, "Oh my goodness!" Again, I don't know a whole lot. I'm just hearing what I'm seeing on the news, and I'm thinking, "Poor little Titus and Marissa, they're <laughs> they're, they're they're trapped on the COVID floor." Mm -hmm. uh, so how how did that come about? Uh, was it just hey we happened to be at the wrong yeah. place at the wrong time or right place at the right time? However you want to look at it, but how did all that happen? Where your floor that you were on got that designation? What was the hospital kind of thinking? And I'll let yeah. you start, Titus. Well, it wasn't our decision. Um, it was our our director, yeah. and she's wonderful. Um, but uh, basically, she got voluntold <laughs> that we would be the COVID unit. And we did have a sign up. You, you were able to opt out. Hmm. Um, but uh, we weren't shy from, from uh, this new disease we didn't know anything about. Um, so we said, yeah, sure, we'll do it. No problem. A challenge. Mm -hmm. So with that, that designation happening on your floor, how many, how many uh, beds is that roughly, personnel? What is that? Uh, that's a good question. I don't have those numbers off off the top of my head. Um, I think at the time uh, we probably had um, maybe forty beds, okay, forty or fifty beds, right, at the time. So what what immediately began to change when that designation hit your floor there? Um, lots. <laughs> uh, we weren't prepared for it. Um, 
I don't know how, how else to get into it other than uh, um, we can talk about airborne. So most people don't know what uh, airborne precautions are. Um, so before COVID hit, um, we had two airborne rooms on our unit. And what those are are negative pressure rooms. So uh, if someone has an airborne disease, like say tuberculosis, we could put them in that room and when they open the door, air flows into the room, not out of the room. Mm. So um, a lot of changes happened when COVID hit because all of a sudden all of our patients were airborne. Mm -hmm. um, so what do you do? How do you create all these airborne rooms when they weren't designed for that? You only have two. We only have two. So um, in a lot of ways, um, the planning was we were not prepared for. So you're making it up as you go along kind of, or trying to figure things yeah, out. Yeah. yeah, every day, it was a new, you know, you need to do this, you need to try that, you know. <laughs> Protocols change. <laughs> yeah. yeah, every day, yeah. <laughs> wow. So, And that's gotta be hard, because you learn certain things, and now all of a sudden everything's changing quickly. So so what do you do when you, you know, try to try to do your best? I mean, is, is the whole wing just kind of isolated and shut off from the rest of the hospital? Um, no, uh, yes and no. Um, we didn't shut down the unit um, and make the whole unit necessarily like airborne, but we did have a policy where there was no um, no uh, what do you, secondary personnel mm -hmm. or uh, auxiliary personnel. Right. So the nurses were responsible for, for lab draws or the nurses were responsible for the meal trays being passed. And the nurses were responsible for respiratory or whatever it was. Or cleaning up. Cleaning, cleaning the rooms. No one was in it. No one was allowed in and out of the room, pretty much except for the nurse. Nurses and doctors. Early on. Yeah. yeah. Even the doctors didn't go in the rooms. Really? I know that would shock people. <laughs> yes. Uh, what? Yeah. They would hand us a tablet, and we would go in the room, and they would basically do a uh, video conference with the patient. Wow. Yeah. I did not know that. So there was a lot of things early on that was just, like, shocking, you know, um, yeah. Wow. Marissa, for you, uh, what were some of the things that you were kind of thinking, feeling early on as you began serving in this particular capacity? Well, I think my first thought when I heard of COVID, I mean, we were on our one year anniversary and we saw it on the TV and we're like, oh, that's weird. You know, it's just another random thing that's not mm -hmm. going to affect us. So I was just kind of in denial. And then we got back and our unit was the COVID unit and we're like, oh, well, we must be gonna get enough patients that we're gonna be able to fill up the unit. So it must be something. Yeah. Um, and I think the unit's original response was kind of a, like a fear and a, um, like a tense, like a tense feeling because everybody was nervous. Like I, I could get sick or I, I could bring it home to my family. That was a big part of it. Um, and we we wanted to help the patients and that's why we went into nursing was to care for patients and help patients but it was something that we hadn't studied in nursing school something that none of the doctors knew anything about and it was just also new and a lot of change um, so there was a lot of feelings a lot of yeah. like unknown <laughs> yeah. anytime you have unknown there usually is a little bit of fear that goes with that unknown yeah. and i'm sure there were 
people that were probably more fearful than others that were working up there. And I'm glad to hear they gave you a chance to opt out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did many opt out at that point? Um, a few. A few? Like, yeah, probably 10%. So not very many then really when you think mm -hmm. about it. No. That said, hey, this is what we're called to do and we wanna, this is our opportunity to, to serve our community. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's wonderful. Now, how long, and we'll come back to some more details in a minute, but how long, did your floor unit be, uh, stay the, the COVID unit and how long did you all each stay in that capacity? It's a good question. Um, just roughly. Yeah, know. I would say all of 20, uh, from March, 2020, mm. um, till the end of the year and through part of 2021. Okay. So just we about were, a year. We were the COVID unit. Yeah. 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 Just about a year. So that's a long time now. You know, to do that for a few weeks or even a month or so, you know, is it's going to be hard. But to do it for a year, what were some of the the challenges and obstacles that you faced personally, or even even as relatively newlyweds? What were some of those challenges, Titus? I'll let you go first. Uh, well, I touched on the the airborne um, that presented some some struggles in multiple ways. Um, someone had a great idea to create this thing called that we call hood. Um, that was attached to the bed. Um, basically, it was like this plastic cover that went over the bed. And the idea was it was, it was hooked up to uh, what sounded like a jet engine, um, but it was an air purifier with a HEPA filter. Okay. So when you opened the door, um, it was really loud. And it was supposed to run 24-7. So uh, just going in there, talking with the patient was a struggle. They mm -hmm. couldn't hear you. So our population is elderly mm -hmm. and um, they already have hearing problems. And put a jet engine by their bed. And then you put a bed. jet engine in the room and it's just like, you can't, you can't take care of this patient because oh, wow. they can't hear you. You can't hear them. And it's, that was a huge obstacle. But somebody was trying to figure out a way to, to make it safer, to make it safer. for them yeah. and for others. And yeah. uh, how long did the jet engine's solution <laughs> stay in place? I, you know, oddly enough, it was there for, for probably most of that year. Oh, wow. So they got rid of them. But um, yeah, I mean, ho hopefully they, they did some good, but um, uh, yeah, it was a struggle. Yeah, well, got to try, try whatever you can. <laughs> I mean, it's all new. Yeah new stuff. What were some obstacles that you saw, you know, either personally or as the staff that you were facing? Um, the biggest thing that I noticed was we got a lot more phone calls because all the families, they weren't allowed to come in. Oh, that's right. So their patients would be, our patients would be very sick and their family members very sick, but they couldn't I'm, go see them. Yeah. I was the only connection between yeah. them and their family member. So we'd get a lot of phone calls and then we would end up basically bringing the phone or bringing an iPad into the room so that they could talk to the family a lot of times. And we kind of forget already, that wasn't that long ago, you know, that the hospitals shut down all visitors. Mm -hmm. Nursing homes kept that for much longer yeah. for probably some good reasons why, but still how hard that was on anybody that had a loved one in the hospital or in a nursing home and they could not get to them, especially if they were pretty sick. I mean, that's, that's, that's hard for people. If, if you did not go through that, it's hard to relate what that would be like. But I knew so many people that struggled with that, that weren't able to, to see that. So uh, what kind of ministry opportunities did that give you, Marissa? I mean, obviously you became kind of the, 
the the real person that those people in the hospital, the only ones they were able to see. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of what we call therapeutic communication. Yeah, oh, that's uh, a great word. So yeah. a lot of talking to the families and trying to give them the truth of what's going on in a calm manner, mm. um, letting them talk to their loved one if their loved one's able to talk. Right. Um, bringing bringing them into the room on whatever device we had so they could talk to the family member. Mm. Uh, in the best moments, getting to pray with the patients. Mm. Um, but uh, one of my favorite memories was actually, and I don't remember if it was a COVID patient or if it was like in the in-between. We had just moved up to the COVID floor. Um, but I remember <laughs> this family member called and said, you know, we haven't been able to get in contact with our dad. He's not very good at answering his phone. Could you just bring your phone in there just so we could see him? Um, and they did. They got to see him and they were crying and he was crying. Mm. And I got, I got, and they prayed with him. And it was just, it was a beautiful moment. And I got a letter a few months later thanking me and thanking the doctor that had been in charge of his care, saying that that video call was the last time they saw their dad. Oh, wow. And it was just, I felt so like honored and blessed to be able to be a part of that moment because it was, it was just a moment that they're never going to forget that yep. they got to see their dad and he was, you know, he was awake enough to be able to converse with them a little bit. Mm. And it was just a sweet, a sweet moment that I yeah. won't forget. Yeah. With all the, the hard stuff to have those moments like that sprinkled in. Yeah. Begin to make it all all worthwhile. Was there ever a point where you're like, I just can't take it anymore? I mean, did that ever uh, <laughs> come across your mind? For a lot of nurses. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of burnout. I think the the hardest thing was the emotional side. Yeah. Um, seeing patients very, very sick and then having nobody there by their by their mm -hmm. side. Yeah. Um, it's just heartbreaking. And then, you know, we, sometimes we could make an, an exception if they were, um, if we knew they were not gonna make it, um, we could make an exception to have someone come in and be with them, which was, which was good. But yeah, the emotional side was the most troubling part. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I had, I, it's a mutual friend, I think I shared this with you a few weeks ago, that is also a nurse. And uh, this was even past the one year mark and in the second year of this and I saw him here at church and he almost started crying right there. He just, it, it had been so emotionally draining and it still was so emotionally mm -hmm. draining. And uh, I don't think we realize how hard it is on folks that do what you do and really in any of the medical profession, how difficult these last few years have been. I see that in other professions as well, school mm -hmm. teachers, uh, how tough it's been. But I know for you, uh, not just the emotional side, but there is even the, the risk, you know, that you guys, you know, I, I would see y'all on Sunday after I knew that and I'm like, should I go over and give him a hug or should I stay away, you know? And I, I think it's safe. Yeah. <laughs> An interesting fact is that we never, um, at least we never uh, got confirmed that we had COVID, ever. Mm -hmm. So that's uh, either God's protection or... Um, or he just gave you a good immune system. Right. We washed yeah. our hands a lot. <laughs> <laughs> right. Macy would be proud. Sure she would. <laughs> she's, a, she's a hand washer. All right. Um, 
you gave a good example. Is there any other examples where you felt like you had that opportunity to go beyond kind of the job description to really begin to minister? You mentioned even praying with patients. Any other specific stories or examples you can think of? Uh, I think just just talking with them and kind of giving them, I mean, beyond praying, but, you know, getting to know them on a personal level and, um, you know, sharing sharing your life with them so they they could see your kids, they can see, you know, your struggles and know that, you know, we're in this together. We, you know, we, we feel your pain, even though yeah. we're not the ones that are sick, we, we understand and kind of empathize with yeah. with the whole struggle. And sometimes they just want to hear somebody talking about mm-hmm. life and family. They love it when you just sit there and, and they, they need someone just there. Yeah, and to slow down enough to do that. Yep. Because I'm sure you're extremely busy, but oh, yeah. to slow down. How did how did your, your own family uh, handle the fact that you guys were doing what you were doing? Like your parents, uh, siblings, others, were they worried or concerned or constantly calling, are you okay, are you okay? <laughs> what about you, Marissa? Um, I mean, at the first couple months, I remember, or maybe just a month, I remember until about Easter, we all kind of quarantined, because we're, my family's pretty much all rule followers, so we're like, okay, they said quarantine, we're gonna quarantine. Stay we know away. that I've been in contact with COVID patients, so, you know, I need to, I need to especially quarantine. Um, but kind of after that, uh, we we just decided, you know, we really need to see each other. So uh, after that, we I mean, we got together weekly and never really, we never really thought much about it. Yeah. They they never seemed to. I mean, they prayed for us a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, my mom has been so faithful. She's been sending me verses like every day that I work just to encourage me on. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think they've ever like deterred us from doing it. If anything, they've majorly encouraged us in what we're doing. Yeah. Which is a huge, that's a huge blessing. That really is. Yeah. My family wasn't too vocal, whether they, you know, encouraged it or not encouraged it or anything like that. But um, I do remember we had a family reunion in July that we all went to. And of course our family's big. And back then it was, you know, you weren't supposed to, especially uh, where my parents are from in Michigan, it wasn't, you know, you weren't supposed to gather. Those gatherings. Those gatherings, yeah. yeah. So it was like, you know, we were gathering to protest, but really it was just a family reunion. <laughs> so they, yeah, yeah. They, they're pretty relaxed. They're all medical-minded. Um, but yeah. I think another thing, too, just your demeanor, um, it, you, nobody would have guessed that you were doing anything but what you normally do. You know, you're just, all right, we're just doing what we're, you know, supposed to be doing and called to do. And, uh, you know, you're somewhat under the radar anyway, but even even when that, where somebody might be, you know, you're not going to believe what I'm doing now. <laughs> no, it was none of that. It was no. like, we had to pull it out of you to find out anything. So I think that's another reason why probably people are like, oh yeah, there must be, they must be fine. They seem fine. They look good. They're no, no, nothing <laughs> unusual. And and again, I, I said this at the beginning, but you guys are, are both extremely humble. And uh, I want to say, and I know all our listeners would say the same thing. Thank you for all that you do. Even if you never helped me while I was in the hospital. I know how many people you have helped and I would want someone like either of you being the person that was tending to me or one of my family members if they were in there. And I know you guys take it very take it very seriously and you really do consider it a ministry. Uh, in fact, what was something that you felt God taught you during that year, that, that 
that year from March 2020 to January, February of 2021. Were there any things that stood out that he was showing you, teaching you, uh, revealing to you during that time? Well, for me, um, basically a reminder that God is sovereign mm -hmm. no matter what happens yes. in good times or bad times. So uh, just a daily reminder to that we can trust his love despite what we're going through, what we're seeing, what we're feeling. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that pandemic did not catch God by surprise. No. And all that we went through. Yeah, he was uh, still in complete control of everything. Yeah, good word there, Titus. What about you, Marissa? I think the biggest thing that stuck out to me was just how dangerous isolation is. Mm. Um, I mean, that was in the hospital, it was very evident, you know, the family members that would call, the patients themselves, the staff, we were all just, it was really hard to be so isolated. And the Bible talks about, you know, don't give up gathering. And mm -hmm. and it's, it's very, uh, I guess that was just a good example of what happens when, when you are isolated. Yeah. It was a good reminder to me that, that we need each other, especially as the body. Um, we were created even, for relationships, yeah. Yeah, we need it. Yeah, absolutely. And that, that is true. That was hard, you know, for even for us as a church, we went, you know, a few months without meeting, but it seemed like forever almost. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so uh, there are like some, things, some things that stand out. I don't have the greatest memory sometimes, but I won't forget that first service that we, when we met back in person on Sunday morning, oh, yeah. it was, it mm -hmm. was, I mean, there was a little bit of, all right, will anybody show up? You know, a little nervous in that, but the anticipation of being back together, you know, and we had all these, you know, protocols in place that we were, were doing, but that you couldn't stop the energy and the excitement that, uh, that we all had because you, you kind of take that for granted. Even now already, you know, we're back, you know, we've been meeting for a long time now, but you, you already can easily start taking some of that for granted. Those right. relationships, the the body of Christ, our life groups, the friendships, the people, and uh, I hope people listening right now will be reminded again, like, oh yeah, I do. Yeah, I don't want to take I don't want to take this for granted. What we're able, what we're able to yeah. do, because who knows what'll happen in the future. And right. so to be able to enjoy uh, those relationships. So good word. And good job, you guys did good. Thank you. Thanks for, for having for, us for not uh, for not wanting to be on a podcast. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the reluctant podcast guest, <laughs> Jill did pleasure. wonderful. And I, I, you know, my desire, as I told you before, that this would be a, an encouragement for those listening. Maybe they get a little insight into what it was like for y'all serving in that capacity. And again, we how much we appreciate your 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 service and your your work and your ministry really uh, to our community in that. Way. Way, and we thank you so very much. Y'all both serve on the medical response team here, don't you, as well? We do. Yeah, and uh, I think uh, Pastor Wade told me he, you guys are looking for some uh, some folks, recruiting some folks. If anybody's listening that's medical, at, uh, yeah, come on over. I'm sure you uh, they can call the church office and get a hold of Wade, but I'd love to, love to have uh, some more folks on that team. Well, thank you all so much for being a part of the podcast. We're going to go ahead and wrap up this episode of Here at Home. And uh, thank the listeners so much for uh, listening. We appreciate you. If, uh, if you haven't yet subscribed to the Here at Home podcast, I would encourage you to do that. Give us a rating as well. You guys are uh, subscribers, right? Right? Huh? We will be. <laughs> <laughs> Christian, how many times do we hear that? 
Uh, quite a few. Quite a few. We, we have a few that are very faithful listeners, but uh, it takes getting the, uh, them to be a guest on here to want to start listening to podcasts. <laughs> Honestly, I didn't know. I mean, it didn't surprise me that you're doing a podcast, but I didn't know about it. <laughs> wow. Well, now you do. Yeah. And we, we have some more work to do, don't we, Christian, to get the word out? Because uh, here's somebody that's here pretty much every Sunday. <laughs> Live that was beyond, beyond the notes. Okay. I love that one. Yeah. That really hurts. You love that one, but you don't. The, I, haven't, the, I haven't listened to any yet, but I will. I will. All 32 of them. All 32 of them. <laughs> oh, I'm just kidding you. Uh, hopefully, though, uh, those that are listening will realize, hey, more people need to know about this uh, podcast. I use the analogy uh, with you guys that it's kind of like the old uh, Sunday night church service where someone will get up and share their testimony and you get to know people. Well, you get to know people on yeah. the Here at Home podcast. That's uh, one of the reasons why, why we do it. All right. Well, thanks for listening, and uh, we'll see all of you back here in a couple of weeks for another episode of Here at Home.